to stand with me, and we also are going to sing Hosanna. We're going to sing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. with a word of prayer and then I have just a couple quick announcements so let's go to the Lord in prayer father in heaven we thank you that we can come before you we can worship you and honor you we can celebrate your triumphal entry into Jerusalem and we know that as you entered Jerusalem you knew that you were coming to that last week that week before the crucifixion and I pray that you would help us to honor you, to exalt you. For your sacrifice is that which gives us eternal life. We thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing a couple songs, praise him, praise him, and shout to the Lord. Remain seated as we sing these couple songs.
I'd like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a Bible on the back of the pew in front of you, I believe. Um, I know we've taken them down and put them back time and again, so I'm not 100% sure they're there. All right, great. Luke chapter 19, and um, I'm going to bring you to verses 28 down through 40. title of my message this morning simply is the triumphal entry. That is what Palm Sunday is. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ entering into Jerusalem that week of Easter before the crucifixion and the resurrection. As I read down through, I want you to listen. Listen to what transpires, his interaction with his disciples, his apostles. And my goal for you this morning is to, for you to put yourself in that place and ask yourself, how willing would you be to help the Lord Jesus Christ to do that which he needs done as he enters into Jerusalem? Because you never know what it is that the Lord is going to call you to do or me to do in our lives. And we may not see the big picture, as they certainly didn't, but he did. And he asks each of us to play a role in what he needs accomplished in his kingdom. So listen as I read to you Luke chapter 19, verses 28 on down through verse 40. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage... In Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, where yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way. And found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice from all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. He made it very clear. The Lord is all-powerful. He doesn't have to have us. If he had to, he could have the rocks rise up and go ahead and proclaim glory and worship him. But that's not God's choice. God chooses you and I. In fact, I want you to look over with me at the Gospel of John chapter 12. And I want you to listen to just these few verses here. John chapter 12. Look at verses 12 down through 15. It says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, 
they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, and as it is written, he entered into the city there. So you and I, as we look in this text, we are this morning celebrating that triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And as we look at this text, we ask ourselves, would I be a willing servant of the Lord? Would I be a willing messenger? Would I be one who said, yes, Lord, what do you need? I'm willing to do it. When we start here, we find that he absolutely needed help. He needed those who would step up. Not that he couldn't have done it himself. He could have. If he needed a young donkey to ride into the city of Jerusalem, he could have just created one, couldn't he? Or he could have had just one come at his thinking, at his beckoning. But that's not what he chose to do. He chose to get people involved. His disciples, his people, people like you and I. As we look down here at verses 29 and 30 in chapter 19, I want you to listen again to what, came, what comes to pass. It says, it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And I want you to envision the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem kind of nestles down in among this high area around it. Not high like in Vermont or Colorado, not quite that high, not that mountainous, but yet still what they call mountains. And as you come to go down into Jerusalem, you're on the, on the Mount of Olives. And at that point, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Go ye into the villages over against you, in the which at your entry you shall find a young colt tied, whereupon yet never a man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. You and I are those disciples. You and I are those believers who he taps us on the shoulder. He asks us to do not always large things, sometimes a simple thing. Here he simply looked at his disciples as he came up on the Mount of Olives getting ready to descend down into Jerusalem. And he says to them, before I go into Jerusalem, I need you to go into these little villages and I need you to find me a young colt. Now, they could have said, boy, I don't know, Lord, you're going to give me money and we might have to rent this thing. Or maybe I'm going to have to buy one. Nobody's going to let us have their colt. But they don't do that. We're going to see in a minute they do ask a simple question, but they're willing to do what the Lord has asked them to do. And I ask you this morning, in your life, are you willing when the Lord knocks at your heart's door? Are you willing when the Lord taps you on the shoulder? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm here, I'm willing, so send me. Well, that's what these disciples do. Look down with me at verse 30. Uh, the Lord says to them, go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a young colt tied, whereon yet never a man sat, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord has need of him. So, he gives them a simple instruction. Not complicated. 
But yet there is an underlying complication that the Lord himself recognizes. And that is this cult does not belong to these disciples. Yet they're going to go and untie it and start walking away with it. Now, in the Old West, if you went and untied somebody's horse and walked away with it, they could hang you. So the Lord says to his disciples, when they ask, why are you loosing that colt? He says, you simply say to them, because the Lord has need. And in our lives, sometimes we just expect so much more explanation than we're due. Sometimes we're a little bit like a petulant child. We want to go ahead and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask because we just want to know and know and know and know when really we just need to obey. And here the Lord, he looks out amongst his disciples and he has those who he knows they are obedient. But yet at the same time, he tells them, I want you to understand if somebody asks, you can simply say to them, the Lord has need. That's not a lot of explanation, is it? I mean, I would well imagine if I pulled up into your driveway and I went over to start your car and you came out and said, hey, hey, Pastor Taylor, what are you doing? Well, I'm taking your car. You'd probably want more of an explanation than the Lord has need of it. But that's enough. That's what's amazing here in this text is that is enough. It's what the Lord knew needed to be said. And that's all these disciples needed for a tool. Look down with me, if you would, at verse 32 and 35 in this text. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owner thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? Now, isn't it amazing that God knows? God knew. He knew what was going to be asked. And he knew to give them the right answer. So you come down, verse 34. And they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they sat Jesus thereon. As we look at this text, we really learn a personal lesson. Something that we all struggle with. And that is sometimes you just don't need to ask too much and you don't need to know too much. You just need to obey. The Lord needs us in so many different ways in our lives. I was just talking to one of the men in our church this morning. We were talking about the Bible hour, our teaching hour before worship hour. And we were talking about trying to encourage folks to come to the Bible hour. And we were talking about starting some other classes and teachers. Because we want to make available to our congregation opportunity to learn and to grow in their understanding and knowledge of the Bible. But it requires folks to come. Amen? They have to come to Bible Hour in order to learn and to grow. They have to get up in the morning and they've got to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. And that's exactly what these disciples needed to do. They needed to get up and get going and do what God had called them to do so that they could be obedient servants. But it's not just a servant. They're also a messenger. You and I are called to be messengers of the Lord, just as Christ asked these men to be messengers. Listen to what he says again in verse 31. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. 
Look down at verse 33 again. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. Every one of us in this room should be a messenger of the Lord. Yes, we need to go. But we also need to speak up. We live in a world that desperately needs to hear of the hope of Jesus Christ. They desperately need to hear of the triumphal entry of Christ. Yes, the death, burial, and resurrection, and all that is tied to it. God needs messengers. He needs messengers at your work site, in your family, in your neighborhood. He needs messengers who are willing to simply go, yes, but then speak up. Because people do have questions. It was a natural thing, wasn't it? For the owner of that colt to ask, why are you losing that colt? But what if those men had just ignored that question? What if they had not spoke up? What if they had just drawn a sword and taken the colt? The whole circumstance would have been misunderstood and it would have been an entirely different dynamic, wouldn't it? But because these disciples willingly simply said what God told them to say, it all went flawlessly. You and I are called to be spokesmen for our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are supposed to go forth and proclaim, even unto the uttermost parts of the world. We're supposed to share the message of Jesus Christ. Now, we may not have all the answers. You may not have memorized the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But you should know enough of the scriptures to be able to share your faith. Now, when these disciples looked at that questioning cult owner, they simply told what they had been told. And in our lives, that's all we need. At some time, in some place, somebody sat down with you and they showed you in the word of God how that you could have Christ in your life. You really don't need any more than that. You only need to be able to show people what you yourself came to know, what God revealed to you. And that was that you yourself, you're a sinner. It's not a hard thing for most people to understand that they're a sinner. And that Jesus Christ wants to forgive sin. That he died on the cross for it. That he could pay the price for it. That we could repent of it and receive him as our savior. That's what you had to do to receive Christ as your savior. We simply have to tell others what was told us. That's what these disciples are going to do. They're simply going to tell the cult owner what was told them. You see, God needs spokesmen. He needs spokeswomen. People who are willing to speak up. In Romans chapter 10, 13, did you know the Bible says, Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Now, I'm not going to take my shoes and socks off to prove it. You know, it's a metaphor, isn't it? He's saying to you that when you go forth, how beautiful are your feet. This morning, as I was going down to get a drink of water before I came up to preach, 
I saw Ann Endicott walking up the hallway, and Ann just moved here from the Cape, and she's wearing Cape Cod sandals this morning. I thought, now there's a girl who cannot let go of the sand, right? They can't, can't get rid of the beach. And I said to her, oh, look at that Cape Cod this morning. Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. When you go to your friend, your neighbor, when you hear of somebody who's struggling in their life and you share the gift of Christ, the peace of Christ, the hope of Christ, the Bible says, how beautiful are your feet. They are yielded, determined, and they carry a holy message. And the message that we have is sufficient. It's sufficient for the need. And that's exactly what the message of these disciples was. It was sufficient. It wasn't a long speech. It was simply the Lord has need. And for you and I in our lives, those folks around us who are struggling, those folks who are questioning, those folks who don't understand what's going on in the world, they need the simple message of Christ. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just near, it's, it simply merely needs to be straightforward. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. The world we live in, it is a world where the thief cometh with a desire to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I am come to give life and life more abundantly. That's the hope. That's the message that we have to share. Romans 10.9 simply says, If thou shalt confess thy mouth with the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's a simple message. You and I just need to be willing messengers. Somebody told us. I was a 16-year-old boy when somebody told me. Maybe you were younger. Maybe you were older. Maybe it was in a Sunday school class or maybe it was on a job like I was on a summer job when a guy talked to me about Christ every day until I came to salvation. The Lord needs messengers. And really he needs a, just a touch more. He needs those who are willing to give themselves. Sometimes we forget that Jesus gave it all. He didn't hold anything back, did he? He gave it all. You know, when it, when it comes to giving, the Lord asks of us a tithe, 10%. But he gives us how much? 90%. 90%. He says, I only want 10 for your work, for his work. But he says, I want you to have 90% for your life. God asks of us certain things throughout our lives. But there is one thing he asks in entirety. And that is our lives. Now Jesus went to Jerusalem with one purpose. 
Although, if you read your Gospels, you'll see there's a lot that transpires in that week. There's a lot of teaching and preaching, a lot of interaction. There's a lot there. But yet Jesus went to Jerusalem for one purpose. And that was that he might go to Calvary. That he might go and shed his blood for your sins and my sins and all humanity. As we look at this, we understand that he was willing to give it all. How much are we willing to give? I want you to look with me at Romans chapter 12. Look with me at Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. A familiar verse. I often reference it, but I want us to look at it because it's a powerful truth in your New Testament. Listen to what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So when I talk about like our giving, God asks 10% to have his work go forward. But he gives us 90% to live our lives. But when it comes to our lives, he asks for 100%. He wants us every morning to get up and say, here am I, Lord, so send me. Here am I, Lord, what do you want to do with me today? Listen again to verse Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And what that means is I, I really plead with you. So God is reaching out to us as individuals. And he's saying, I beseech you. I, I plead with you. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I want you to think about this in comparison to the mercies of God. And has God been merciful to you? He has been to me. I mean, if he was not merciful, I would be in bad, bad shape. Think of all the times we were like Peter, when we should not have denied the Lord, but we should have stood up for the Lord. And yet our, our merciful God, even as Jesus looked out at Peter, met him eye to eye, and Peter repented and rewalked with God and God forgave him. So doesn't he do that with us over and over again as a merciful God? So look again with me as we come down here. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And so each of us set that scale in our lives. And we say, yeah, boy, God has been merciful to me. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says it's reasonable. That we would start every day saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use me in my community. Use me in my family. Use me on my job site. Use me in my school. Here I am. Use me. It's not that he's going to make every one of you preachers or full-time Christian workers. He just wants you to be willing to be used of him every day in your life. You don't have to give up your job. You don't have to cash out your retirement. He's just asking you to be willing. That's what took place that day as the Lord Jesus Christ journeyed into Jerusalem. 
He needed servants. He needed messengers. But he needed folks who were living sacrifices for him. Verse 2 of Romans 12 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He wants each of us to reflect him. That's what he's saying. He's saying we need to renew our mind through the word of God. That we might prove to the whole world and to ourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's why we call ourselves Christians. We're Christ-like. We're people who take the principles and beliefs. We take all the, all the things that were Christ and we say, Lord, help me to be like Jesus. And we yield to the potter's hands that he might mold us and make us into what he wants us to be. He's looking for those who will simply say, yes, Lord, here am I. Use me. We see that he did that. They did that. In Luke chapter 19, look down with me at verses 37 and 38. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They were saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And I want to challenge you this morning to just take a moment and step back and think about the things that God has done in your life. It's important sometimes to do an inventory, isn't it? We had an activity last evening down in the fellowship hall with young couples, young people, and just kind of reconnecting people with all their kids and all of that. And we did a pizza bash. So I'm working in the kitchen. Some of the ladies are helping me. We're making pizzas. And I've got to do a quick inventory in my head because where has the pizza cutter gone? So I asked somebody, who moved the pizza? The pizza cutter is supposed to be in the same place it's always been. And they had to tell me, yes, it's in the box that says pizza cutter. <laughs> but I had to do that mental, you know, inventory. Check five drawers first, then go to the box that says pizza cutter. Don't we all do that sometimes in our own personal lives? Where we just have to go down through and do an inventory. And that's what he's saying took place here. These people looked and they rejoiced in the Lord Jesus Christ for the works that he had done, that they had seen. And they said, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In each of our lives, sometimes we need to do that inventory where we say, boy, I'll tell you what, look at all that God has done for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. They needed it. We need it. It's part of being the living sacrifice for Christ is understanding that I'm not the self-made person that's made my life so great. No. Every man, woman, and child. It's the hand and work of God in our lives. It is His grace 
that enables, enables us to be who we are as we yield to him. I feel bad for folks who feel like they have to be their own master. Because the world is a tough taskmaster. I'd rather rest in the Lord. He says, come unto me, you that are weary. I'll give you rest. Put my yoke upon you, for it is light. It doesn't mean that life isn't still hard. It just means that he is going to walk through it with us. He's going to help us and enable us. He's going to guide us. When we fall, he helps to lift us up. So as we look at this text, yes, it is the Lord Jesus Christ's triumphal entry. But it's so interesting that God involves people. He didn't have to. He chose to. And you and I, he chooses to use us in our lives. He chooses to engage. He chooses to need us and want us to interact. But that requires us to say yes. Those disciples had to be willing to go and be servants. They had to be willing to be messengers. Yes, they had to be willing to be living sacrifices. No more, no less than he's asking of you and I today. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we thank you so very, very much for your many, many blessings to us. If we do an inventory of your mercy shown to us, we understand how bountifully we are blessed. I pray that you would be with us this week as we go into Easter week. Help us to represent you well. Bring us back next Sunday, ready to celebrate the resurrection. In Christ's name we pray, amen.